Everybody. This is Eric Mann, host of Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement-building show. I'm in studio with Channing Martinez, the producer and co-host of the show. And today we have like a three-part show. We're going to start talking about the trial of civil rights leader and Black Lives Matter leader, Dr. Melina Abdullah, and that we want people to come out Thursday at 9 to support her. Then I'll explain more at the... Uh, 210 West Temple Street, Department 43 at the courthouse. Uh, I wonder why a civil rights leader would be up on charges in Los Angeles, liberal Los Angeles, with Mike Feuer, the city prosecutor, going after her. So we're going to try to get Mike Feuer to drop the charges against Dr. Molina. Second part of the show, I'm going to talk about a film that's coming up at the Pan-African Film Festival. Next Tuesday, exactly one week from now, February 12th at 6 p.m., the film is called Bus Riders Union, produced by Haskell Wexler, the wonderful, great, award-winning cinematographer who we worked with for three years. I'll tell you more about that. You can get tickets if you're interested at info at thestrategycenter.org. And then uh, with Channing and Ayuko Babu, who's the... uh, chair of the Pan-African Film Festival, the wonderful Pan-African Film Festival with whom we work closely. He should be on at 3.30 to talk about several of the films coming up at the festival, including Bus Riders Union, as I said. And that's going to be at the Cinemark Theater at King and Crenshaw in the Crenshaw Mall. So today's Tuesday. You can put on your calendar next Tuesday at 6 p.m. You'll be at the Cinemark at King and Crenshaw watching this amazing film called Bus Riders Union. If you're interested, you're going to go to info at thestrategycenter.org. But we're going to start with Dr. Melina Abdullah, who you've heard. She has her own show on KPFK, and she's also been on Voices from the Frontlines. Um, so I'm going to read you some of the, uh, the, the official statement. We've been in touch with her. And we're going to be there Thursday morning at 9, right? Everybody's going to be there. It's very important. So it says here, we demand that the Los Angeles attorney, Mike Fuhrer, and the criminalization of black protest and immediately drop all charges against Dr. Melina Abdullah, professor, mother, organizer, and founding member of Black Lives Matter. Why is this important? 
says Mike Fuhr and the criminalization of black protest. Dr. Melina Abdullah, a professor and mother of three school-aged children, has been dedicated to community organizing for decades. She's been active as a community educator, involved parent, and a spirit mama to dozens of children, including she teaches at Cal State OA and does some terrific work in in Pan-African and African studies. Her commitment has been deep and far-reaching, including fights for ethnic studies, public education, fair land use. When the community rose up against police brutality in 2013, Dr. Molina was among the original group of organizers that formed Black Lives Matter. So why would a person as great as that be facing charges? She should be getting an award from Mike Fuhrer. I thought that's what he was going to do. But apparently, he's singling her out to silence black protest. Um, as you know, Molina's the third black activist to be prosecuted for outspokenness at the Los Angeles Police Commission meetings. So let me explain something about what's going on there. The police commission is ostensibly there to provide oversight for the police. And while there may be some good people on it, uh, really, the they're very hamstrung by the whole set of rules, which is you can only go so far in trying to restrict the police, and, and people do not think that the police commission really is a civilian review board. It's not providing a level of oversight. So Black Lives Matter goes and tries to get them to do their job. And there's nothing illegal. And for those of us who've been to the MTA, you're ruled out of order if you speak too long. You're ruled out of order if you're not speaking to what you want. You're ruled out of order if you speak too loud. You're ruled out of order if you uh, use in, in uh, colorful speech. This is a civil rights organization, but this is liberal L.A., and Dr. Molina is charged now with disrupting uh, some of the meetings. So they've charged Dr. Molina Abdul with eight bogus counts, bogus counts, in a catch-all approach, and you're banking on the jury's reluctance to dismiss all the counts, even if you fail to prove them beyond a reasonable doubt. What they mean by that <clears throat> is like when I was arrested in, um, I don't want to tar her with my brush, but when I was arrested in Boston for a demonstration against the Harvard Center for International Affairs, they charged me with defacing property, attacking property, attacking a university, trespass, criminal trespass. I mean, it's called throwing the book at you. And the concept is they take one action and they criminalize it eight times. So then the jury thinks, well, she must have done some of those things instead of just throwing out all the charges, which is what we want them to do. Um, now it says here, we know the convictions could bring jail time. However, more likely, if Molina is found guilty, we know that the terms of probation would likely include a silencing of her voice in public meetings. So the prosecution of Molina Abdul is, is about much more than quieting her individual voice. It's intent as a chilling effect on black protest more broadly. So it says, Mike Fuhr, your record of targeting and singling out black protests is shameful. In doing so, you actively criminalize black protest, which represents a threat to the very victories gained through the civil rights movement and other freedom struggles. For these reasons, among others, we demand that you immediately drop all charges against Dr. Molina Abdullah. So, a couple of thoughts. Um, he can do that. You know, we, we have problems in Los Angeles that there's a, a liberal power structure, whether it's 
Mayor Garcetti, whether it's Mike Fuhrer. Mike Fuhrer is, you know, he's done some good things on the environment. He's done good things on, you know. So that's why they go all ballistic about Trump because compared to Trump, people say, well, Mike Fuhrer isn't so bad. But the interesting thing is Trump is not prosecuting Melina Abdullah. Mike Fuhrer is. And there seems to be a, a real liberal tolerance on the white west side to not go after people like Eric Garcetti and not go after Mike Fuhrer. I mean, go after simply to say, we know you. We even are on your side, but this is unacceptable. And I'm showing up in court to tell you, drop the charges now. So the strategy center is going to be there Thursday at 9. My daughter Melinda was nice. She, she texted me while I was away and said, hey, Dad, you want to go? And I said, of course. So our family's going. The, the, the strategy center's going. Uh, there'll be lots of people from Black Lives Matter there. And it really matters. It really matters that we pack the courtroom, whether or not there'll be a delay. The other thing is I've been trying to be in touch with Dr. Molina. Don't be surprised if you get there and then it's a long wait. Don't be surprised if you get there and there's some thing about a possible another motion for delay. You just have to have the will to understand that every time she goes to court, we're going to court. Absolutely. What I think one thing that you spoke about, you know, it's interesting that Mike Fuhrer's office called us to be a part of some blue ribbon campaign that was trying to combat police in schools. And, you know, I, I bring that up because, you know, it's an interesting trend in Los Angeles where a politician, namely a politician, will do something that seems very liberal, but then on the flip side, they'll be, you know, criminalizing your same community in other ways, right? And so, you know, Mike Fuhrer is just one of those uh, people. You know, Mark Ridley Thomas did that as well, right? Um, where, you know, there was a very important victory won around the sheriffs, where there was a civilian sheriff oversight board, I believe I'm saying it correct. And, you know, what's interesting is that even in that same token, Mark Ridley Thomas was voting for every single criminalization measure at the MTA and every single fare increase, right? And so, we do need your support. Um, there is there is the overtone of Los Angeles being liberal, but at the same time, you know, when people are actually fighting for civil rights, then we criminalize them, and we need all the support that we can get. And the other thing they're going to say is, well, you know, even Doc, you know, this is the hypocrisy of it. They say, well, Dr. King believed in civil disobedience. It means that if you do the crime, you do the time. He never said that. He never said that. He said you're obligated to violate unjust laws. That you're obligated to do. If sent to prison, you will do that. Dr. King was never against dropping the charges, so that's ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, Kennedy got involved to, to get Dr. King out of prison at one point because they were worried about his life. So here's the point. Um, Dr. Moline has a lot of things going on. She does have three children. She is uh, a real human being. She doesn't need this. It's not good. But we have to make these cases very important. And when frontlines people are facing charges, our job is to show up. And then when we get there Thursday, I'm sure there'll be instructions from Black Lives Matter about where they want to take this case now. So for now, you can uh, reach us at the Strategy Center, info at the Strategy Center, only because we will convey any information about the Thursday events as, as we understand them. And uh, stay in touch with us. Is that okay? So Thursday at 9 at 210 West, West Temple Street, department number 43. 
Right. And let's really turn out. I mean, one thing, and Ricky will take a break, is in a minute, is that we always said that we want voices from the front lines to be, you know, movement-supported radio, not just listener-supported radio. So if we're telling you that there's a that there's a Thursday morning court case, we'd like eventually for vo- you know for 25 voices listeners to be there. That's why Jenny and I do the show. So why don't you be one of those 25? And um, uh, maybe Ricky, right at the end of the show, we're gonna just have a commitments call where people can call in and say, I'm either gonna go to see the film. Or, or more simply, I'm going to go see Dr. You know, I'll be at court Thursday. So you focus on things you want to do, not just your opinions. Okay? So, Ricky, why don't we just take a quick musical break, and I'm going to come back and talk about Bus Riders Union. for the opening of the Red Line, which is a five-mile rail track that cost $2.8 billion and was directly built with stolen money from bus riders. Why would a public agency need to fence itself off with barbed wire from the public if it wasn't doing something criminal? So for those of you who love film, and for those of you who love social justice, for those of you who love the Strategy Center and the Bus Riders Union, I strongly urge you to consider coming next Tuesday night to see a truly amazing documentary called Bus Riders Union. Uh, First of all, let's talk about the soundtrack. That's by Greg Landau. It has an amazing soundtrack. A, A very professional musician actually worked with Haskell Wexler to produce this terrific soundtrack. So that's one thing to know about. So I'm going to give you a little backstory on on the story, and we'll be talking more about it next Tuesday at the Pan-African Film Festival at King & Crenshaw, the Cinemark Theater. You can reach us at info at thestrategycenter.org. So the story goes, as the mythology goes, that it's 1997. I'm in New York. And I call the office, and somebody says, Michelle's Pritchard's got to talk to you. It's very, very important. So Michelle Pritchard's a friend of mine. She was the director of the Liberty Hill Foundation. So one thing about, you know, in the movement is when foundations call, you call back, especially Michelle. So she says, Eric, Eric, uh, do you know Haskell Wexler? I said, do I know Haskell Wexler? Of course I know. I know of him. He's a famous, famous director. He did... You know, uh, 
won three Academy Awards. So Haskell Wexler, yes, I know him. He's a very famous Academy Award-winning cinematographer and also a movement cinematographer. He did a film called Medium Cool, his own direct film about the Chicago uh, Convention in 1968. So Michelle said, Haskell called me and said, do you know anybody in Los Angeles doing revolutionary work? I want to do a film about revolutions. So Michelle said, well, I don't know anybody per se, but if there's any group that I think is trying to make a revolution, that, that wants to make a revolution, that even conceptualizes itself in revolutionary terms, it's, it's the Strategy Center, and they have this group called the Bus Rise Union that I think is pretty revolutionary. They're trying to what they call fight transit racism. They're going out on the bus. They're organizing black and Latino bus riders. They have a campaign called Billions for Buses and Fight Transit Racism. They want free transportation and $20 passes. If they can get it, they want 2,000 new buses. They want you know uh, the buses to run on time. They want to stop the rail lines. So we meet with Haskell Wexler, and Michelle sets up the meeting. And... The voice you heard on the, on that clip was Kikanza Ramsey, who was a young organizer at the time. So Haskell says, um, I want to come in. I want to do a film about you guys. I only have about a couple months, and I want to put together a film. So I'm thinking to myself, there's no way you're going to do a film about a couple months. But I say, sure, that sounds great. Anyway, he spent three years with us because each time he kept saying, oh, oh wait, we can't can't finish the film yet because we have to get a victory or I want to make sure that we get that. So one of the things Haskell did, as you'll see, is there's a lot of films within a film here. They're vignettes of real people. So there's a film about Della, the late Della Bonner, who's very beautiful and who was a leader of the Bus Riders Union, tells the story of how she grew up in, in Watts, where she was at the time. The, the story of the death of her son by leukemia and how she got involved in the movement. Beautiful, uh, as I say, little films within the film. There's also a whole other film about Rosalio Mandiola. When I say film, I mean three and four minute mm -hmm. segments. Yep. But they are complete circles of, of making people come alive. And Rosalio Mandiola, who's still fortunately alive and I'm assuming will be at the showing next Tuesday night, uh, he was a room service waiter, never missed a day of work in 20 years, never missed a bus riders union meeting in 20 years either. And uh, the beautiful thing about how he wakes up early in the morning and then there's the ballad of Rosaleo Mandiola. There's a, so the soundtrack. So imagine an hour and 20-minute documentary made by one of the very best cinematographers. He did win it for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? He did win it for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and several others. And he's been nominated about eight times. Haskell died in 2014 or 15. 15. 15. So this will also be a way to honor his legacy. And, of course, he would be thrilled that it's shown at the Pan-African Film Festival. We are an official selection. That is to say they don't just let anybody who wants to show a film, and when Channing called up Asantua or Latundri and said, could we show it on basically the 20th anniversary of Bus Rise Union, she was thrilled. So here's the thing, that it's a very hopeful film. 
Is it very uh, Joanna Demetrakis, who was the editor, did a really beautiful job. Um, I'm a character in the film. Kikanza Ramsey's a character. Della Bonner, Rosalio Mendiola, Richard Reardon is a character. It's pretty cool. The LAPD <laughs> is a character, you know. Uh, and our organizing on the bus is a character. There's a lot of. Uh, it's hard to make a really great film about a social movement. You saw Norma Ray, which I think is a great film, really great film. Uh, you see, again, uh, Selma. It's hard to capture that. But Haskell does it as a documentary in a way that has all the uh, narrative style and all the attractiveness. There's not a narration, as I remember it. It just, just keeps moving pieces. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, I've seen it, you know, 50, 60 times, and every time I see it, I'm moved, deeply moved by it and the art of it. So if you're interested in coming to see the film Bus Riders Union next Tuesday, a week, it's called the 12th of February, in fact, at 6 p.m. at the Pan-African Film Festival at Cinemark, uh, if you're interested in getting tickets, you just go online to info at thestrategycenter.org, and it will help you do that. Yeah, I think you mentioned it already, but I and I mentioned it last week, but you know, I think I I really like how he brings the characters, the working class characters and the people in the movement to life in ways that you know, film just has not been able to do in such a long time. I mean, Rosalio when you see Rosalio in the documentary, you know, he's working he's waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning to go to work. And on his way to work at 3 a.m. in the morning, he's passing out flyers and talking to people about the bus artist union, right? You know, that's serious commitment. And then he's, you know, talking about his whole story about how he came to the United States and, you know, the whole revolution and, you know, situation in Mexico with the PRD. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it shows, I think it shows even some footage from that uh, whole situation. And, you know, it, it really paints him as a character, um, and w that you know it's it's so. Imp I mean, I think we take it for granted, but it's so important to have those characters and characters like us, you know, on the big screen talking about the actual lived experience that we're going through and talking about the actual movement. Um, whereas right now, you know, in comparison, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're we're at a blackout from the media, but we kind of are at a blackout from the media. The media does not cover the movement in many ways, not in a real serious way. Well, I think what's great about it is is that, you know, we need filmmakers to dig in. I mean, they, they should do a film about Black Lives Matter. They should do a film about making organizers come to life. And I think what Haskell did, and the reason, the reason he kept staying is because as an artist, he understood he wasn't fully grasping it. So he wasn't, at, you know, at first, when he said three months, I was thinking, as an organizer, I'm going to sort of get him hooked, which is if he's really, <laughs> if he comes to like us, he's going to see that this is going to take more time. He spent his own money. He was, he was wealthy. He was, you know, significantly had some money. But he spent, he paid for everything, not just his own time, but all the crews, all the editing, and then he even moved it to 35 millimeter, uh, which was needed to submit for an Academy Award nomination. We didn't get a nomination, but it was submitted for Best Documentary. 
And then we had an interesting thing where um, they, uh, Haskell, in order, to, if you're trying to submit a documentary for an Oscar, you have to get a theatrical showing for at least a week in some real theater. So there are several theaters in New York that are known for that. You buy them, and you buy a room for a week. You know, you could buy it at the Lemley. You could buy anywhere. And then you run it for a week. So I went to New York to New York for over a week, and I was there at every single showing because it was like three times a day. And we were getting audiences of organizers from all over the you know, the city coming different times. We had then um, Rita Taggart, Haskell's wife, Leanne Hurst, my wife, and, and the four of us. We went to Harvard, and we, sh- we saw it at the, at the Harvard Film Festival. They did a special showing. Then we went to New York. So... This film has had a life, and the thing that's amazing about it is 19 years later, 20 years later, 23 years later from when Haskell first got the idea, it's still an amazing, inspiring film. So if you're interested, uh, go online and go to thestrategycenter.org, info at thestrategycenter.org, and no? Just thestrategycenter.org, the website. It'll be right there on the front page. All right, thank you. So I'll disregard everything I just said. Uh, no, go to thestrategycenter.org. I'm sorry, on the website, and it'll be on the front page. Thanks, uh, thanks, uh, Channing. So we are hoping that Ayuko Babu is going to be on the phones. It says Babu ready. Brother Babu, how you doing? Very good. We uh, just came from downtown. Uh, they were part of a program to salute all the black directors, ed- uh, writers, and actors from the uh, 60s and the 70s, you know, people like Jim Brown and so forth and celebrating Black History Month, so that went very well. And uh, so now it's good to be on to talk to the Strategy Center, the Bus Riders Union, uh, talk about some stuff that's relevant to where you are, and uh, get ready to have a good time. Our festival opens February the 7th, Thursday night, just a few days, two days from now, at the Director's Guild with the fabulous, fabulous film of Rita Franklin's. Her gospel album was an album, if anybody remembers her gospel album called Amazing Grace, they filmed that album. They filmed that, that concert. It was a two-day concert with Reverend James Cleveland and a lot of the ancient uh, spiritual people who were there, Claire Ward and the Claire Ward singers were there, and Mother Ward. And she was at a height. Uh, this is the 60s. So when we say 60s, it starts in 1955 with Montgomery ends in the in Vietnam War, Ali, and the foreman fight. So in that period, there was a high level of consciousness in the black community. So she's wearing a natural and African clothes, uh, feeling the spirits, the ancient spirits were there. And she sung and, and did an incredible performance for two straight days. And they filmed it, and then for whatever reason they couldn't get the film out. It's now out, and we have the opportunity to screen it. So something should not be missed. Um, that's a that's a great uh, that's a great introduction, <laughs> Babu. Um, we we were talking about that last week. Actually, we were, you know, me and Barbara were reflecting on how little we know about Aretha Franklin and how we had to actually go do our research. Um, right. And we found out all this really great information about her, like, you know, the fact that she was funding the movement in many ways. Yeah, uh, not only funding the movement. Her and Dr. King did a 50-city 50, 50 
tour to uh, support and fund SCLC and, and the movement. Uh, she agreed to put up money to get Angela out of jail, uh, and then um, they had to move quickly before they could reach her. And uh, so in order to avoid, um, they were going to change the bill terms. Uh, she's always been a committed person from day one. Well, I'm thrilled. I'm going to be there Absolutely. Thursday night. Channing's going to be there. Barbara's going to be there. You know, uh, when Aretha died, the, the first thing I did was order Amazing Grace. Wow. Uh, because um, that was my favorite. I know that album inside and out. Like you know, and um, I, we played several uh, several songs from Amazing Grace on Voices, and uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, oh, Jesus, don't you weep? Oh, Mary, don't don't right. you moan? Yes. Yes. And um, you know, anyway, she was in the greatest voice at that time. Oh. At the, and the James Cleveland Choir is... is James is, Cleveland and yeah. her father was there. Also, uh, Sister Claire Ward was, was one of her, you know, people who helped her develop along with Mahalia Jackson. Well, Sister Claire Ward was there, including her mother, who goes back to the 19th century with the Claire Ward singers. They were all in the audience that night. Unbelievable. So, I can't wait. her father was there. So she was... She was, she was uh, so again, we're, we're very privileged and excited that uh, we have an opportunity to showcase the film. That's amazing. Uh, and it's going to be at the Director's Guild uh, right there in Hollywood, but one block, two blocks west of Fairfax on Sunset. It's you can order tickets now. Tickets oh, you really? They're still available? Unbelievable. Yeah, a few are still. They're they going. They're going. They're going. And uh, How do they order tickets, Babu? Just go on, on click on www.paff.org, stands for Pan-African Film Festival. So it's paff.org, and click Films. And it all comes up, opening night films and so forth and so on. Or click Tickets. You'll see, it, when you look at our website, there's there's little, uh, what do you call those things? that says Tickets, click Tickets. But it all comes up, including her face and so forth. That picture is taken from her, the album, Amazing Race. By the way, when you talked about that album, it is still Aretha's all-time greatest, sell, most all-time wow. greatest selling album that ever been, Aretha ever did. But any jazz, pop, rhythm, blues, it has outsold all of that. And it is the number one gospel album uh, ever. And yeah, we, have, we have the film. So that's... Wow. All right, so that's amazing, Grace. I mean, that's truly amazing. I'm so I'm shaking about being able to see it Thursday night. So that's sensational. So tell us about some other films you like. Well, we got, of course, what we let's let me say this: uh, we're going to bring about 190 brand new films from all over the planet, and 100 about 100 major painters, artists, clothes designers, and jewelers in the adjacent building on the property of the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza property at King and Crenshaw. Now the films are incredible. You know, as a result we always say this, but as a result of the enslavement and colonization, uh African people are spread all over the planet. You know, we got a little bit of our stories in Belize, a little bit of our stories in Harlem, a little bit of our stories in Israel, all these different places. And if you put 
all these stories together, you finally begin to have an understanding of of who we are and help us understand who we are, for other people to understand who we are. And we get an insight and, and a spirit from what happens and how it happens. Well, we decide, we put all those those stories together. So we got stories, for instance, uh, an incredible film dealing with immigration, which is topical every day in the paper, and it's from Jamaica, called Sprinter. Like you sprint? Yeah. Yep. And it's, done, it's directed by a young brother named Storm Salter, who's one of the rising young filmmakers in uh, Jamaica. Uh, and it's it's a film that deals with a young Rastafarian runner who has a desire to see him. His mother has been in America for the last 10 years. She went to America in, as a in, on a guest program, you know these guest worker programs, and once the uh, and she sent money home out of the poverty of the third world, and once the guest worker program was up, she stayed because she's still trying to make money send her family home. Well, it's been ten years, and what's happening is that the stress and strain of that process is tearing the family apart. And the young Rastafarian says, well, if I can get to see my mother, I can rejuvenate, re- recharge myself. And where I can get to get to uh, Philadelphia is if I am a good runner because they have the world track uh, meet in Philadelphia. So he's training to run, and then he gets a chance to meet his mother. But when he gets there, the underba- underside of immigrant life and illegal immigrant life, you know, where you don't get a chance to do this and do that and so forth, is shattering. So the film really looks at the nuances of African immigration That's to good. Jamaica and a vehicle of where he wants to run, you know, to uh, uh, get there and then running to reality what it really means to have a family torn apart for 10 years and that kind of thing. And, and when is that playing, Babu? Because I want you to move. Playing, that's playing Saturday, February the 9th at 6.45. That's playing Saturday, February the 16th again at 8.50. That stars a great actress, Laureen Toussaint, David Allen Greer, and also it has a, a cameo of Usain Bolt. Oh, really? That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a look at immigration in a different way, done from from the young brother of Storm from Jamaica and looking at it as a young Rastafarian trying to run to see his mama. Sounds great. Now, yes. run through, I mean, one thing is this, when you go online, I mean, I'm going to try to clear a lot of my schedule to see it, you know, this, you're almost overwhelmed by the magnitude of how many great films you would want to see when you go on oh, the yeah. PAFF. I mean, you go, oh, I got to go to that, got to go to that. So you, you so you everybody needs to know that it starts when does it start Babu? Starts this coming Thursday. That's right. I'll be there. Okay. Thursday opening at night, the Directors uh, Guild. Can get red carpets at six. The films the film starts at seven thirty. Our host this this over this last next ten days is our co-founder Danny Glover. Oh, that's Danny's right. Flying. Danny's flying in for it, and uh, it's going to be a fabulous thing. Let me let me tell you this. I don't want to forget this. Okay, good, please. There's another film called Rattlesnakes from U.S. and Ghana and England. 
It's directed by a young filmmaker named Julius Amadoumi, uh, and stars Jimmy Jean-Louis, who is one of Haiti's greatest actors. He played the, the title role in the film on Tucson, and he was mm. also in a popular film called uh, with uh, Monique. He played the Nigerian brother who fought. Oh, my God, I remember him. Yeah, that's Jimmy Jean-Louis. And he plays a life coach and trying to help people cope with all of the, the, the contradictions, ups and downs of capitalism, white supremacy, you know, chauvinism, et cetera, all of the contradiction issues that we live in, uh, in this situation we're in. And as a life coach, he's, he's counseling these young ladies and helping them, you know, grapple with all these issues. And the husbands think that he's sleeping with these, these wives. So they go berserk and kidnap him. I'm not going to tell you what else. Incredible film called Rattlesnake. Okay, Rattlesnake. Um, and that's, that's Friday, February the, February the 8th at 7 o'clock. Wednesday, February the 13th at 3.45. And then Monday the 18th, the last day at 12.30, where we show all the films again on the 18th because it's President's Day so people can go all day and all evening to see films. So that's those. That's another incredible film that don't miss that film. Now, there's another. Now I have a question. Well, no, yeah, get, how how do you manage to see 118 films? You don't. So okay. what you do is you immerse yourself in the experience, write down all the films that you miss, and then go online and find out where those films are going. Some are going to theaters. Some are going to a straight. No, I'm talking about you, Babu. How do you? Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see. We have a committee that looks <laughs> at all those films. I look at some of them, then I see them later on in the year. Okay. But we have a committee of people who look. There were 800 films submitted, and we got 180. Wow. Well, we are very honored that the, that bus rise union was accepted. I mean that. Oh, the bus. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to come to the bus rise union. I want to hold that for a second thing. But okay. let me tell you this: there's another film that is unbelievable, and again, telling the the uniqueness of our story. Right now, this film, I'm trying to get it right here, is called. The voice you're listening to is Ayuko Babu, the president of the Pan-African Film Festival. He works closely with his wife, of course, Osantwa Olatunje, who's also a major force. The two of them work on everything together, travel all over the world together, and work with the Strategy Center at our own Strategy and Soul Theater, which we'll tell you about later. Go ahead, Babu. Now, this film is called Whale, W-H-A-L-E, like the whale, Whale Like Me. Australian film and a U.S. film, directed by Malcolm Wright. Malcolm Wright is the grandson of Richard Wright. Wow. Great writer. Yes. He is a filmmaker extraordinary, extraordinaire, and what he's done is he had a dream about a whale and about whales. And he woke up and said, well, I mean, why am I dreaming about whales? So this led him on a 10-year journey around the globe to try to understand what this dream and what whales are all about. And in that process, 
he visits all the great areas where whales are, and it led him led him to understand what's going on between us and other species, in particular the whales. They, of course, they are almost the structure of, of family life and so forth is almost very similar to our life and to the life of elephants. So he begins to examine. So he starts swimming with the whales and beginning to talk with them, and he also goes to the areas where there's great whale hunting, such as in Japan, and talks to some of the great uh, companies that, <sighs> that hunt whales. And he's able to get one of these people to go with him to one of the areas in the world where you can swim with whales and, and get him to understand it's a little more different than eating the whale. But it's an unbelievable look and experience of what is our relationship? We know we, we deal with that relationship between each other as human beings, class differences, race differences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he raises the question, in addition to those contradictions, those issues, now what about the whales? What about the elephants? What about the speed? What about the, you know, we all start out stepping on the ants as little kids, as you remember. Yeah. And so I said, well, don't step on the ants. I mean, let the ants live. They're not bothering you unless they climb your food or something, you know. And so we gradually, but then at one point we sort of leave that and don't really deal with it. And all this is going on. And he decided it's a 10-year journey, beautifully uh, filmed around the world, all the great, he went to the South Pacific, uh, where the New Zealand people are, the Maori people, and, and went to the Japan and went to the Pacific. And it's a 10-year journey of trying to understand what is our relationship and make us think about What's our relationship to other species? It's a fabulous film. It's called Well Like Me, and that's going to be screening Saturday, February the 9th at 4 o'clock, Monday the 11th at 8.30, Tuesday the 12th at 3.30, and it's something that you should not miss. It's a- well, I can't miss it because I just had a shamanic reading, and mm-hmm. they told me that my animal spirit is a whale. Oh, oh my God. I'm serious. I'm serious. So I think it was a compliment, but whatever it is, uh, I got to go see it because I got to I, I gotta up. fight for my people now. And I had, <laughs> right, exactly. And it pops up in here. I missed it. I was on another show, and I didn't get a chance to mention it. And here, I said, I got to mention this to you guys directly. So There's almost something saying, make sure that you tell Eric about this. So that's that's another incredible film. All right, I'll be there. I'm serious. Uh, I'm right. definitely so, yeah. here. But Babu, before you go on to the next film, the, uh, one yeah. other thing I want to talk about, you know, is that you know the Strategy Center just and you guys just concluded your whole series of volunteer meetings and exactly. you know, just talk about. I, first of all, my my perception is that it's amazing that you're able to get you know two and three hundred volunteers to basically put on this festival. And in this realm of volunteerism, I think that's really amazing. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay, well, first, if I don't take the credit, you know, for getting two or 300 volunteers. You know, that would be presumptuous, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the sort of ego. What's, what's happening is this, is that our people... In addition, the world is everybody's hungry for a better understanding and a better experience with the world and with other people. 
and especially black folks are trying to understand ourselves, you know, and other people try to, they experience the music, experience what we manifest on the planet, so they're the people interested. So there's a hunger and interest ever since the 1960s, and, you know, uh, people say that's a long time ago, but it, the 1960s was the zenith of the struggle in the United States where that's there right. was the civil rights movement, the black power movement, the pan-African movement, and all these these, this this awakening of trying to better understand because you understand if you can, don't understand yourself you don't know where you've been don't know where you're going it's a cliche but it's true you can't figure out what you're supposed to be doing on the planet and so we felt that it was important as it wasn't our idea this was given to us by uh, some brothers on the continent at this mission and we decided to get involved in that mission we felt that it was important and that the number one cultural uh, expression in the world today was film, you know, the 20th century and the 21st century in one form or another because you can tie all the other arts into film. And folks go to films because it's still democratic enough that it is not priced out like you go to the Philharmonic Orchestra that, you, you know, most people can't know the basketball game. So films have been kept a certain level of democracy. So... The the response and the out the the outpouring of people was from day one since 1992. People have been interested. They heard about it. They want to come and see. And, you know, if you if you understand this, this the Africa is in the papers every day. Immigration is in the papers every day. Um, the uh, the madness and the, the the pathological reaction to capitalism and, and pathological reaction to these these sexism and racism and gender inequality. All this is is in the the atmosphere. So people want to understand what is what this is all about. And you they 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 look for places, as the old community organizers used to say, when the conditions are ready, people will come and check it out because they want to see what's going on. So that's what the that's what the impulse is, that's what the need is, that's what the hunger is, that's what we just have to have a platform organized enough so that people come and experience and try to get a chance to see what's going on. Thanks, Pablo. Um, I want to make sure, uh, well, big props, as you were saying, Channing, to the mass movement of volunteerism. Tell us about the film Bus Riders Union. The Bus Riders Union, first of all, uh, is done by uh, Mr. Wexler. And I can't remember his Haskell name, Wexler. Haskell Wexler. And it's a film... It's about y'all, about the genesis, the what, who, how you, what drove you to decide to, to organize the Bus Riders Union as, a, as an organizer. The obstacles, the the, exhilara- the exhilaration of being able to do this, and the the, the uh, incredible struggles you've had with the bureaucracy. Who does not want anybody to challenge them about whether it's bus riding, bus buses, or pencils downtown? And it's about how you know the these young folks came together with experienced folks to organize a union that has transformed uh, transportation in the city in terms of buses, transform people who work, empower people that you can you can actually do this, you can actually make a difference. I can remember riding on the bus and people would say, "Well, you know." Uh, the seats were tore up or something, and so we well, can't fight the city hall. You know, you hear that all the time. And, well, y'all showed them you could. Not only could you, but you won. So this is a lesson 
for people, how you do it, you get a chance to see people who have actually sit down and said, we, we're going to change this. We're not going to accept this. So it's a, it brings a lot of spirit, a lot of energy, a lot of insight, and a lot of wisdom of emotionally, psychologically, what it takes to do to to do to carry out that challenge. So it, it's a fabulous film. We're we're very pleased to have it. And um, that's next it, Tuesday night, uh, the twelfth of February, at six p.m. at Cinemark. Again, all these films are going to be, except for the Directors Guild Thursday night, are going to be at the you know basically at the Crenshaw Mall as we call it. Um, just want to say just really one thing. Thank you, Babu. And one thing that's important, because Babu and I always refer to the 60s and 50s as such pivotal moments in history, is that it is very important to understand that I was the lead organizer of this project, and I was a product of the Congress of Racial Equality and the Newark Community Union Project and Students for Democratic Society. Della Bonner, a black woman who was one of the protagonists, had also been through the civil rights movement and been an activist. Mm. Ricardo Zelada, uh, who was one of the leaders of the Bus Riders Union, had been in the Communist Party. He had been in Honduras. Mm. He went. He was trained in the Soviet Union. Rosalio Mendiola worked with the PRD in Mexico. So we were not uh, just spontaneous bus riders, and uh, we were what we call conscious elements, and we organized something called the Strategy Center. We recruited Chris Mathis, a black auto worker. We recruited Kikanza Ramsey, a college, black college student. And, and we recruited, yes, young people into a movement organization, as the late Maria Gordado said when she joined the bus union, because we picked up a lot of Salvadorian revolutionaries she said, I would never join the bus rides union except that it's also against the CIA. Mm. <laughs> and she said, if it's just buses, I am not interested. <laughs> so I just want you to know that contrary to your theory, not yours, Babu, but others, mm. that if you're a revolutionary, you can't organize, or if you have broader aspirations, then you don't know how to get down with the people. Mm. History has shown that, that all the the wonderful movements that you think were spontaneous were not. They were always organized by Rosa Parks already going to the Highlander Folk Center. Rosa Parks, the people didn't know, work closely with the Communist Party, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's a good thing. So for those of you who want to come see the film, it's not a film about some happy bus riders that one day got fed up. It's a planned and conscious character. And then Haskell Wexler, the filmmaker, uh, uh, the Salt of the Earth, that's the film. He he helped to build this great, great film that he smuggled past the FBI to have it made in a secret uh, theater. So, Babu, and you're one of the, if I may say, a conscious revolutionary who's done, created such an amazing institution in, in Los Angeles and nationally and now internationally because it's the Pan-African Film Festival. So it's a big thing for us when it comes every year. You know, we get excited and we try to go to as many. So two things, and then I'll go back to you, Babu, for some last thoughts. We urge you to go on the Strategy Center site, right, thestrategycenter.org, if you're interested in seeing the film next Tuesday night, Bus Riders Union. Then we urge you to go on the Pan-African Film Festival site, paff.org, and just 
just uh, immerse yourself in the genius of all the films you want to see and then take some time off and really make a plan and call your friends and say, let's all go, five of us, let's let's see that film, you know. And and the last thing I'll say is if you can still get tickets Thursday night for that amazing grace, oh, my God, if you can get tickets, please go because that's off the chart amazing. That's absolutely, absolutely true. You know, um, I know we don't have much time, but I do want to mention about three films here. That Good, please. One's called Power to Heal by director Charles Burnett, who did Killer of Sheep, who did Glass Shield. His, his, his films are in the, uh, the archives, 100 Archives of Important Films. This is the, the, the story of the fight by, in, by the Civil Rights Movement and folks to fight to expand health care and the fight that led to Medicare as the fight against denying black folks health care, how that morphed into the fight for Medicare, and they're all interconnected between the Civil Rights Movement, Medicare, and health care. Mm-hmm. And narrated by Danny. Wow. you got two yeah. more minutes, Bob. We'll get, okay. do one minute that's, each on each film. Okay, that's Sunday, February the 10th at 4.25, Friday, February the 15th, at 4.30, and Saturday, February the 16th at 6.30. Then there's another film um, called Dare to Dream, Cuba's Latin American Medical School. This is the wow. medical, medical program in Cuba that they've, they have nearly, they've launched 30,000 doctors around the world and as a policy, and, you, and these doctors become absolutely incredible and they interview African Americans and white Americans and Latino Americans who have come to the program to become doctors, and they, that tremendous impact that that decision, that policy has had from the Cubans to take the medical, to show you what can be done with medical care. What's the so, title again, Babu? Dare to Dream. Dare to Dream. And we'll find American the times. Medical school. All right, we'll, we'll find the, the times. times. Okay. Now, go get you got one more film, and then we're going to have to go. One last film is called Boss. The Black Experience in Business by Stanley Nelson, the award-winning CBS, PBS filmmaker. He looks at the whole struggle of trying to create black business and black capitalism with inside the United States since the Reconstruction all the way down. To wow. And it's called Boss, The Black Experience in Business, The Untold Story of African-American Entrepreneurship, where skills, industriousness, ingenuity, and sheer courage in the face of overwhelming odds, provide the backbone of the nation's economy and social growth. Don't miss that. That's a, that's another real look at black business, what it's really all about. Not the mythology, not, you know, the book, not the, the issues. You're breaking up a little bit, Bob. Okay. I mean, Stanley Nelson's amazing, prolific filmmaker. Uh, I often do not agree with every single thing in this film, but that's not the point. He did the Black Panthers. He did the, the Freedom Summer. He he turns almost one out a year, and he is a very significant filmmaker. So that that film is called Boss. I think the most important thing is to go on the site because yes. I think to sit with it, have some time, take your schedule, clear some time when you see a film. And you say, wait a minute, I, I don't think I can make it, and go, why can't I make it? Why can't I just change something? Because the support for the work of the Pan-African Film Festival, and, and one more thing, uh, you know, when I get up, sometimes I'll say, I'm Eric Mann, I'm the host of Voices from the Frontlines. 
the number of people at the Pan-African Film Festival who applaud and say, oh, we, we listen to voices all the time and come over, the people who love Margaret Prescott's show, Sojourner Truth. So there's a relationship between KPFK and Pan-African Film Festival where we love you guys and you love us. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, just come out and enjoy. Uh, we'll be there for from the 7th of February, Thursday, 7th of February, till Monday the 18th, uh, 12 days, 11 days of films, art. Sit down and enjoy yourself and, and think and meditate and, and really take the time to, as Eric said, to think about and see these because we try to show them twice. And these are voices from other people you don't get a chance to see, hear from all the time. So you get a chance to really hear and their examination of all these issues and, you know, you can disagree with them, agree with them, and then you get a chance to talk to the filmmakers because they're here. They come in. They come in Thank the you, Brother Babu. I'm going to have to Thanks ask so you, Nina Simone's going to cut you off here. Uh, I think, you know, we're very lucky to have a, a real genius. Uh, what Babu does is... is almost hard to explain what he and the Santo do and go all over the world to get these films. We're so lucky to have it in L.A. Let's make this a priority, obviously for black folks, but for people of all races who want to know more about black consciousness, black experience, go on thestrategycenter.org and check out Bus Rise Union and go on Pan-African Film Festival. Take good care of yourself. Thank you, Channing. Thank you, Ricky. All power to the people. See you soon. And saw it through without exemption.